Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, hello, guys. I am back with another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Array. If you're into science or skincare, you are going to love today's episode. I am chatting with Larry Weiss and Emma Taylor from the new microbiome-based skincare line, Symbiome. Before I introduce our guests, I think it's fitting that today's hot tip is Symbiome's Respond for Face Oil. So about a month back, my husband Nish broke out in full eczema. It was actually really awful. He has super sensitive skin and it was literally peeling. No joke, he looked like a reptile. Anyway... I'd just started using Symbiome's Respond 4 oil and shared it with Nish. I shit you not, his skin calmed down in like two days and his eczema was gone. This oil is so soothing, I can't get enough. It's low on the comatogenic scale, so it won't make you break out, and it's also a clean brand. I like to mix it with my Ilia Tinted Sunscreen every morning for super dewy, glowy skin. So let's get into today's show. We're joined by the great minds behind Symbiome, Larry Weiss, who is the co-founder and chief scientific officer, and Emma Taylor, who is the chief medical officer. Considering the fact that I have the CSO and CMO on the show, you already know how science-forward Symbiome is. Larry and his co-founder, Vicky, started Symbiome to create better skincare with health and efficacy as the main design principles. They focus on microbiome research as the guiding principle to restore our skin's health and vibrance. Today's episode is really fascinating, and it's all about skin, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's welcome Larry and Emma to the show. So first and foremost, I'd love to know a little bit about your backgrounds. Um, let me start and then I'll weave them in because, um, well, because I've been doing this for a long time, <laughs> which translates into I'm old. Um, <laughs> I actually started my career in natural products chemistry at Cornell and came out to Stanford for medical school in the 70s and um, uh, practiced for a while, a bit of a recovering academic, and then left the practice of medicine in the mid 90s when I became much more interested in health than treating disease. And health is a complex topic. If we ask most people what they mean by health, what they tell you is, well, I'm not sick yet, at least that I know about. But I think health is actually much more complicated than that. And that started a journey that resulted in founding a couple of companies, uh, CleanWell, and it was one of them. And then um, this led to uh, AOBiome. But really triggered is right around 2000, the first early data on the microbiome first became available. 
And microbiology had really become a very stagnant area before this. We had decided in the 80s we wanted, we, when we could sequence genes, that we wanted to study our favorite subject, which was us. And what we discovered is that we were animals living in almost an entirely ancient microbial world. And over the course of the past 20 years, as I've been sort of involved in the microbiome, our relationship to the microbial world has evolved. So in 2013, I was the founding chief medical officer at AOBiome, uh, where I developed and we launched a product you may know called Mother Dirt. Uh, and this was really the first, it was certainly the first, at this point, really essentially the only live probiotic, but it was the first uh, um, area where we actually went into the skin microbiome. People have been starting to talk about things in the gut before this in probiotics, but this sort of opened up that entire category. And that was built on the notion that we used to have a microbe on it. And when we lost that microbe, that had implications on our health. And if we put it back, we could recover some of that lost function. Well, that started a line of thought that came to we, we came to realize that it wasn't just one, but in fact, the research that we have done, and this will be reported sometime later this year, is that we've lost about 80% of the, of the microbes that accompanied us all the way through evolution until relatively recently. And with that, what's more important is we lost at least 25% of the function, what they did for us. Um, and so this led to the founding of this company and the launch of these products, not because we're here to try to put those back because we can't do that. That's the other thing we've discovered. Our microbiome is defined by the way that we, the world in which we live and the way we live. Um, and that has changed significantly over the past 15 or 20,000 years. But what we can do is discover what they were doing for us and recover that missing, so it's the missing metabolites. It's the missing pieces that they made for us that we don't make for ourselves. So we have designed products based on our learnings that actually restore those pieces. Over the course of doing this, um, and this is where I introduce Emma. Emma and I met each other on what we refer to as the microbiome circuit. Um, and uh, she had started a company called Naked Biome. And with that, Emma, I'll hand it to you. Thank you, Larry. Um, thank you for having us. And uh, so again, I'm a dermatologist by training. I did my residency and fellowship at UCLA, stayed on as faculty for a few years. And this was right at the time when a lot of research was coming out of UCLA on the Human Microbiome Project, specifically relating to dermatology and inflammatory skin, skin disease. So I was very familiar with the literature and concurrently, I was seeing a lot of patients with acne, rosacea, psoriasis, a lot of inflammatory skin disease. And I'd often be the fourth or fifth dermatologist that these people would see expecting something new, expecting something kind of revolutionary. And all I could really offer them was how to optimize their regimen with currently existing therapies. And so it was you know, frustrating for patients, obviously. And then this opportunity with the microbiome now that we had these tools finally to understand it, to define it, how we define health and disease, we have the possibility now of how we can, you know, influence it, how we can understand it, how we can maintain it, and what um, factors are involved in health and disease. And so I felt this was really the opportune time to kind of be involved in this next horizon, um, which is really going to be, I think, a paradigm shifting 
new intervention for inflammatory skin disease. So as Larry mentioned, I, I formed a company, Naked Biome, and we were developing live biotherapeutics to treat inflammatory skin disease. And we just completed our phase one clinical trials um, at the end of 2019, and we had good data uh, to show that it was safe and that we had some early trends in efficacy. And then Symbiome acquired our company, and I'm now working with them, um, and it's been an awesome journey. So I'm excited to be here today. Match made uh, in heaven. Yeah, seriously, sounds like it. That is really, really interesting. So for someone who has never, ever heard of the skin microbiome, because I feel like the gut microbiome comes up a lot, but we don't really hear about the skin microbiome very much. So like, what, what are its functions? Does it have like specific functions? Um, let me start with this, but this will definitely be a, a, a tag team one. Um, people's notion of the gut microbiome, we can actually date that back about 100 years to Elie Metchnikoff, who noticed that Bulgarian peasants who ate a lot of yogurt seemed to be healthier. So the notion of live bacteria and fermented foods is well ingrained, but the idea of the skin microbiome at all can date itself right around to 2011 when there was a really landmark paper that came out of the Human Microbiome Project entitled The Skin Microbiome. And, and that introduced the idea that we actually had this rich ecosystem of microbes that lived on our skin and it is your first line of defense. Um, it is, by the time you reach adolescence, it is essentially fully populated and the species that live in there uh, are going to be the ones you'll carry essentially indefinitely. Now, the, uh, the relative abundance will shift, but adding something new or taking something out is incredibly difficult, and that's one way that it defends us. It also modulates our immune response to the environment. And one of the things that we have discovered, because people have heard those two pieces, one of the things that we have discovered is that um, it, it's a metabolic factory. We have 25,000 genes but our skin microbiome has between 100 and 300 times as many. And that makes all sorts of biomolecules and nutrients that both affect the skin and are also some absorbed systemically. And for almost all of the time that humans have been on the planet until recently, and by the way, all other animals, they had this layer on their skin that made a rich nutrient including fat-soluble vitamins and phytosterols and essential fatty acids and many things that we don't yet know about. And that piece there is this one of the functions that makes for us, and that's part of what it is that we have lost. Emma, I'm sure you have something to contribute. Yeah, and thank you, Larry, for that intro. And, you know, for my work in, in dermatology, the skin microbiome plays a big role in a lot of inflammatory skin conditions. So, just to give some few representative examples, you know, acne, for instance, we historically thought that acne um, was caused by propionibacterium acnes or cutobacterium acnes, depending on the nomenclature. Um, but what we've discovered, again, in the past decade, now that we've got all these sequencing tools to understand the microbiome, that we all have P. acnes on our skin, every single one of us on the planet. And so it can't be that P. acnes um, by itself causes acne, um, but we've uncovered that there are um, health-associated strains and disease-associated strains, and that there's clinically relevant differences between these two populations that play a role in causing acne or not. And then if you look at eczema, Staph aureus plays a big role. Staph aureus 
typically precedes onsets and flares of eczema and increased bio burden of staph aureus has been associated with eczema flares. And then rosacea also associated with dysbiosis. So all of these, um, when you have inflammation going on, um, a lot of times it can be associated with the gut microbiome, which we'll talk about in a moment, but it does upset and disrupt the skin microbiome, which just leads to this inflammation and then this host interaction feedback. And then we un unfortunately end up with disease. That is really me, fascinating. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, go we ahead. We tend to jargon from time to time, and one of them is, is dysbiosis. And one way to think about this is you can imagine a complex community where everyone is kind of living in harmony with each other. And also, remember, it's, we can't take things out of context. So our skin and our skin microbiome are intimately connected with every other part of our physiology. Our physiology is not divided into discrete components the way we were taught in medical school, following the petty distinctions of the departments in medical school. So if you have inflammation that's going on in your gut, you're gonna see that on your skin. The skin is a biomarker for your systemic health. You can look at it in the mirror every morning. So in a dysbiosis, what we see as the problem, so for eczema uh, that Emma brought up, staph aureus, staph, many people have staph aureus and don't have eczema. When the community is living in harmony, it's not so much that there's good bacteria or bad bacteria. One way to think about this is that something has disturbed the harmony, and that's what we refer to as dysbiosis. Everyone was getting along, the community was all happy, and something came in and shifted things, and these complex ecosystems that we're only beginning to understand. <clears throat> and by the way, I wanna emphasize this. It's still really early. None of us have any right to certainty about the things that we're saying. We these are hypotheses what we know today. We know more about the microbiome today than we ever have before, and we know less about it than we ever will going forward. But this idea that disharmony within this complex ecosystem is associated with these clinical conditions, that is that is that is becoming very well established. Now understanding the nature of the disharmony and what we do to restore harmony, that will that still remains to be determined. So then is, is it determined like the factors that actually cause the disharmony? We know the kinds of things that might do it, but which are the specific ones in any given individual? Yet to be discovered. Yeah, so, it's really complex. I mean, for, for acne, for instance, it's this is not a, an infectious disease per se, right? You've got so many factors that go into mm -hmm. it. You've got genetic factors, hormonal factors, um, external factors, and then bacterial factors. And so pinpointing the whole mechanism and feedback, we are just at the tip of the iceberg in terms of understanding. We, we've just been able to define that there are health and disease associated strains. And what we don't know is how, what the clinical impact of this is and how they really interact and cause disease or health. Got it. Okay. And then what, I guess I'm wondering, like what, do we know certain things like impact the overall health of the skin microbiome? Yeah, Larry, you want me to tackle this one first? I, um, I, I do. I, I do. The, the, uh, proceed. But so, I mean, I think one, one thing, then this is kind of, again, goes with the philosophy of symbiome, is that, you know, we live in 
pretty much everybody lives in an, an urban environment. And this is different than what we kind of existed and our ancestors. And so we have an, an onslaught of things that can negatively impact our microbiome every day. And this is surrounding pollution to the chemicals that we're exposed to every single day, the cleansers, the shampoos, the soaps, um, all of that UV radiation, all the oxidative pollutants that we're exposed to. So we are barraged by a lot of different things that can upset and disrupt our microbiome. And to Larry's you know, testimony a few moments ago, this is why we've lost much of the diversity that we used to have and why we're kind of con continuously living in this dysbiotic state because we're not existing with the microbiome that we were supposed to have because we are constantly interrupting and perturbing it with all of these different factors in our environment. Yeah, the, if you think about this, if you pick up any of the stuff that's probably over in your uh, medicine cabinet dressing area now, and you read the number of ingredients on it, if you believe Mintel, the average American woman is applying at least about 100 different chemical ingredients every single day. Um, and if they change them, they add more, and if they use multiple products, it can get bigger. And many of these things are what are referred to as xenobiotics, and those are chemical ingredients that were never part of our evolutionary physiology. We only, some of them didn't exist anywhere on the planet until they were made in laboratories in the past 50 years or so. And so they'll buy some products and you'll use a bunch of them. And the first thing that you expose them to, the thing that sees the highest concentration of these ingredients is your microbiome, first line of defense. So the likelihood that you take this complex ecosystem and you put this gamish, this mixture of ingredients on top of it and perturb it is significant. So the likelihood of having you know, an irritation or an inflammatory reaction to something is a function of the number of things that you stress the system with. Um, there's another piece that goes into this, which is, remember I said everything is connected. Mm -hmm. And we live in an age of epidemic inflammatory disease. And that's inflammatory disease of the gut. And anyone who's been watching this, who's been involved in clinical medicine, we have watched the incidence of pediatric eczema more than triple in the past 30 years. Now, I believe the most recent numbers are one in four children have eczema. Now, that is not the childhood that most people remember. Mm -hmm. And women of reproductive age are looking at their children or their friends' children and they're seeing children who are living a very different childhood. We're about to spend $100 billion a year on anti-inflammatory drugs. You can't turn on the television without having some pharmaceutical company tell you that you need to be on an anti-inflammatory drug. But the bigger question, the one that we're tackling is, why so much inflammation? Mm -hmm. You know, what has happened to this? And um, the way, the way I would like you to think about this is we evolved as creatures of scarcity, as hunter-gatherers. We lived in small troops who were deeply connected to the world in which we lived. And those people didn't have any inflammatory disease. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. We have studied this. They didn't have acne or eczema or rosacea, psoriasis. They don't have cardiovascular disease. But we don't live in that world anymore. That was a world of scarcity. We live in a world of toxic abundance. A lot of things have changed. We've lost 80% of the microbes, lost 25% of their metabolic function. If we think about a healthy human as, you know, the game Jenga, a tower mm -hmm. of blocks, and each block is a unit of genetic or metabolic machinery. If the tower was 300 blocks tall, only one of those would be human, and all the rest would be the microbes. As I said before, we're animals living in an ancient and microbial world. 
And when we made these changes from the way that we spent 98% of the time that we evolved on this planet, we pulled blocks out. We didn't know we did it. We made decisions for convenience. We developed agriculture. We changed the way we ate. We domesticated animals. We lived in close proximity to their microbiomes. We started living in cities, and now we live in boxes. And all of these pulled blocks out of the tower. Now, the tower still stands. But what it's lost is resilience in response to stress. And what we see as disease is mm-hmm. the last couple of blocks before the tower falls out, falls down. What we don't see is all the missing blocks because none of us have them. What we have done at Symbiome is we've invested a lot of time and a lot of effort. We have, it's myself and Emma, and we have three PhD microbiologists, and we have built a detailed map looking at what it looked like when all the blocks were in place. And this is a company that's looking to restore that resilience because that resilience is the thing that, that actually will produce health, our resilience in response to stress. So then how are you guys doing that? Because you also use less ingredients, but why is that good? Because I mean, that's not always the case when you look at skincare, especially I feel. Great question, Emma, please. <laughs> Let me take yeah, this. This is a really good really question. And, you know, especially coming from, from what I see in clinic, we see a lot of people that um, have eczema or hypersensitivities to skincare products. And this is something that they've evolved to, uh, to getting. They didn't grow up being sensitized. They could use different products. But if you constantly assault your skin with a lot of different ingredients, just statistical probability, your likelihood of developing a sensitivity to one of those ingredients increases every single day that you keep this multi-step regimen with, you know, nine different products that you're using every single day. And, you know, a lot of people are doing different procedures now. They're getting, you know, microdermabrasion, um, they're getting microneedling and, um, or peels, and we're stripping off that outer layer of skin and we're exposing ourselves to the deeper layers that have all these immune cells. And if we then pour on all these products again, we are basically closing the gap to allow all of those different allergens to reach those immune cells and we develop a hypersensitivity. So we want to basically remove all this complexity, remove all these extra ingredients and just get it down to the basic simple ingredients so that we can really maintain healthy skin and not induce sensitivity in people. Got it. These are biological, we have few ingredients, but they're biologically intact ingredients. And what that means is that we have actually not reached into the laboratory to develop ingredients. What we've done is reached back in time. These are, we're sourcing most of our materials sustainably from the Amazon. We, caught, we have a process we call post-biomic oils. While these things were used over thousands, untold thousands of years by humans, when they would collect them, they would immediately ferment with the microbes that live on them. Remember. The big lesson of the microbiome is everything is connected and those connections are microbial. Mm -hmm. And so these are fermented oils. And when you do that, just like with fermented food, the fermented food has much more health benefits than the non-fermented food. And so the oils are, the, the plants are then fermented, the oils and they're extracted from these plants and they are rich in all the biomolecules. Not, so we don't have to add anything to it. I didn't really design these formulas when I made them. I translated them from nature. So why do we only have a few ingredients? Because they were already optimized and not just the balance, but actually the bioavailability. This is the state to which our physiology, human, plant, and the environment co-evolve together. So we're just putting the blocks back. We're restoring relationships 
that evolved over a long period of time. So we only need three. You know, I get this frequently around uh, the one cream. People say, how can you make a cream with three ingredients? That's impossible. And my response is, yeah, that's what I thought too. Okay, because if you approach it as a Western scientist, putting ingredients together in a laboratory, you can't do it. But if you go back and say, how does nature do this? How does biology do this? You'll find that all the problems were solved if we only decide to look. And, and to Larry's point too, a lot of the sensitization that we do see in clinic is to the preservatives or to the added fragrances that are in products. So the mm -hmm. fact that we are eliminating that step, the way that we process the oils means that mm -hmm. they're going to be much safer. And we do run patch testing on all of our products too, just to ensure that we're not inducing any sensitivity. That's really fascinating. And Emma, you talked about like, you know, we, we assault our skin with all these ingredients. So then what do you guys feel or how do you guys feel about chemical exfoliants or like retinol? Like, do you feel like they disrupt the skin microbiome? So it's a really good question. Um, and I think the, what, what we have to look at is what is the goal and what is the intention of every single ingredient that we're putting on our skin? Um, mm -hmm. So retinoids, they're, they're, what they do mechanistically, they help increase cell turnover. So they help to prevent you from blocking your follicles to get those acne lesions. They also shrink those sebaceous glands, so they prevent oil production. So for people that are suffering from acne, which is you know, an overproduction of these oils, an impaction of these hair follicles, and then overgrowth of bacteria, which feed on the sebum, then retinoids can be very beneficial. Um, if you have somebody though that doesn't have any wrinkles to address or doesn't have acne, then using a chemical exfoliant might not be the best thing because then they might get a retinoid dermatitis basically from the dryness from not having that sebum. And if you don't have the sebum, you're, you're gonna reduce the bio burden on your skin just based on the fact that that sebum is natural food for P. acnes. It breaks down sebum into glycerol, the food, and then these inflammatory free fatty acids. So it really has to come down to, and how we're trying to explain skincare to everyone, is that when you look at all the products you're putting on your face, you wanna understand what is the specific purpose of every single product and ingredient so that you're minimally putting on the maximal benefit and you're not overusing or overdoing it so that you can sensitize your skin or again, disrupt the microbiome unnecessarily. That is really, really fascinating. So like, Oh my gosh, there's, there's so much I want to ask here, but I guess I can ask is aside or along with the Symbiome products, what can we do to keep our gut or our skin microbiome healthy? And also, do you guys recommend specifics from the line that like will be beneficial just across the board? Um, so let me start with this, but again, I think both this is, you know, this is the nice thing about having a dermatologist here. Um, so the first, the first part of your question is, again, your skin is a reflection of your general health. And this isn't mm -hmm. news to anybody. Mm -hmm. totally, no yeah. on days when you feel crappy for one reason or another, you look in the mirror and you generally don't look your best. Okay. And this is, this is the biomarker. This is the thing instead of a laboratory test or something that you yourself can tell. So, there's a couple of pieces to this. One is eat a healthy diet. You know, what is a healthy diet? Well, we all pretty much know what is a healthy diet, but it's a little bit different for everybody. You're doing something right now as we're talking, which is critical, which is most of us walk around 
marginally or significantly dehydrated. Exactly why that is, I don't have any idea, but remain hydrated, eat a healthy diet, and you will see that on your skin. Overindulgences, if I can rebuild your resilience, and this goes back to what we talked about before, mm-hmm. I want to make very clear about what we do. We're not in the symbiome isn't here to treat specific conditions. What we're doing is we're restoring health so you're less likely to see those conditions. And so following on that same metaphor here that um, if I can rebuild your resilience from the outside in. So these symbiome products make all sorts of, have all sorts of biomolecules in them, many of which over time are absorbed systemically and can also contribute not just to what happens on your skin, but systemically. Um, but healthy food, try to get out. Uh, I had to have this conversation with uh, someone earlier today, which is too much news, too much screen time. Has pay- We are all paying a price for it, and I totally get it right now. Here's what is the, the amazing thing about what I just said. I didn't tell you anything you didn't already know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and knowing something and being able to use it to change your behavior That is really the crux of this. We want to introduce products that encourage behavior change. You know, in other words, less is more. What we talked about in terms of ingredients. Do you really think that we evolved to be creatures so broken that we needed a hundred xeno, we had to invent products with a hundred chemicals, many of which never existed before to have good skin? I don't think so. I think we have made decisions in terms of our behavior and we see those on our face. So the obvious stuff is easy. You know, try to eat healthy food, get plenty of sleep, drink water, all the stuff that you know is correct. And if you do that and you have enough resilience, the occasional overindulgence won't show up. Mm-hmm. But if you're living close to the edge and you have subclinical inflammation, you're not seeing it, but you're mildly inflamed, even something small can result in something that you'll see. And so we're trying to rebuild the resilience, which is the foundation of your health. That's kind of a long answer, Emma. Yeah, I mean, and, and looking at kind of the philosophy of Symbiome, I mean, this is really minimalist skincare. So, you know, as I mentioned, we're really looking for intentional ingredients and to understand what the function of each of those ingredients are. So I think of it, we've got these five pillars of skincare. You really wanna have a cleanser, you want a moisturizer, you want an antioxidant, And I actually do recommend retinoids to pretty much everybody that's concerned about photoaging or photoaging prevention, and then a sunscreen. But that doesn't mean if you've got five key ingredients that are functional for your skin that you need five different products because all the oils that we have at Symbiome are great moisturizers. They have, they're packed with antioxidants and they've got a lot of natural carotenoids, which are vitamin A or retinoid derivatives. So this is kind of, again, where we're trying to educate the public so that when you look at a bottle, you're understanding what is the function of all these ingredients. And if the function, if there is no function, then you might want to reconsider, do you actually need this product in your regimen? So really simplifying it so that we're not just overexposing ourselves to a lot of different products that could irritate our skin. That is really, really fascinating. And I do like that it's a pared down sort of routine just because I think that you know, people are also busy. Like, I feel like, you know, this, the, if it's simple and it's effective, then that's kind of the dream. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that we've kind of touched on this when it comes to like our skin showing 
like our, our, like what we're consuming and just like our overall health and that being the real marker. But what is, I guess, the connection between the gut and the skin microbiome? Because I mean, even when it comes to poor digestion, like that shows up on your skin right away. And I, I would just love if you guys explain this whole aspect of things. No, it's a, it's a really important question. And I think again, you know, when we have, when we look at ourselves, we have to look at ourselves holistically. We're not just, we're not just addressing the skin. We're not just an organ in our gut. We are, you know, holistically everything's connected. And so when we ingest anything, um, you know, those bacteria are feeding off everything that we consume. And so if we have an improper diet and usually what leads to inflammation are high glycemic, high sugar, high simple carb diets, those are direct food easily broken down by our gut bacteria. And then they produce a lot of metabolites, which when produced in overabundance can lead to inflammation. And so, you know, there's great examples. It's really hard to maintain, but if you were to do a ketogenic diet, which if you don't already know, is basically eliminating all of those carbs and focus more on, you know, protein and complex carbs. Um, you, if you have any inflammatory skin condition, whether it's acne or eczema or psoriasis, rosacea, hydradenitis, which is similar to acne, but kind of involved in the apocrine glands, you will essentially improve your disease. But the problem is, is maintaining diet is incredibly hard. So I always tell people that, you know, when you want to improve your skin from within, then um, focus on what you eat and really concentrate. Can you eliminate unnecessary carbohydrates? Can you eliminate the white bread, the pastas, the white rice, um, the brownies, as much as we all want to have them? But anything where we can just know that there's a sugar load, that's going to lead to inflammation. And so that's one thing that we can do is to really be conscious of is to, you know, plant-based diets are great, um, but really looking at the sugar content in our diet is really important. Yeah, I think that's there's a short message, which is, it is definitely connected. Mm -hmm. The nature of the connection has some general trends, as Emma pointed out, simple carbohydrates. You know, as I said, we evolved as creatures of scarcity. Those things were not around and they were incredibly precious. You know, you might find honey. You might find a plant that is sweet. But a broad, diverse range of nutrients results in a broad, diverse range of microbes in the gut. And some of the most interesting data that's evolving in the gut is in these inflammatory states. When you look at the metabolic picture of the gut, instead of having a broad range of, it's not just, again, not just the microbes, it's what they're doing. Instead of just having a, a broad range of different microbes, what happens is there's a very narrow range of metabolic pathways that are very active. And inflammatory states, that contracts down because, well, people are putting a relatively narrow range of nutrients down. You know, we don't really eat our food. We put it in our mouth and our bacteria feed us. Mm -hmm. And so they activate all of these metabolic pathways. So the, the connections between the skin and the gut are there, they are profound. There are some patterns that are already apparent and we are going to learn more and more about this going forward. And I am speculating, but with some degree of confidence uh, that this is going to have an impact on essentially all of the chronic diseases which we are burdened with today. Yeah, I mean, we're only in the last, I guess like few years really, it's become mainstream knowledge, like just how important like things like addressing chronic inflammation and gut health are for our overall health. So yeah, like I think that it's going in the next few years, I think that it's definitely going to have a big, big, big impact on, on health and wellness for sure.
Um, <clears throat> speaking of this, what impact do oral probiotics also like, do they have an impact on the skin as well? Yeah, there's definitely some data to support that probiotic use um, is helping to correct that dysbiosis. So again, the inflammation that you have going on in the gut, that's essentially a dysbiosis. And that leads to all these inflammatory cascades that then connect with our skin and lead to inflammation. So if we are mm -hmm. flooding our gut with healthy bacteria that we know are producing the right type of metabolites, either by eating yogurt, drinking kombucha, or just having probiotics, there have been a lot of studies to show that these can benefit the skin. Um, early studies, even from you know moms that are um, pregnant um, and eating more probiotic diets in terms of what their children have as a risk factor for eczema later in life, or introducing these probiotic foods early in life to, to children, what their mm -hmm. risk is to developing eczema later. So there's definitely an impact and a lot of literature is starting to shed more light on the value of that. That's really fascinating. And do you guys have actually any recommendations for um, probiotics for people? Because I know that there's like a lot of confusion about what to take and what to look for. Well, I have a bias, which is fermented foods, which are, look, all foods were fermented until we figured out how to keep them from fermenting. Mm. And remember, I told you everything's connected. So um, fermented foods, not fermented foods that are highly processed and then they add sugar and things to them, but fermented foods, again, for the same reason that we believe the application of these ferment, ferments, which, which restore, restore the connections, is my bias, this is my personal bias, is preferable to a probiotic. Give me a choice between a, a, a kefir and a bottle of probiotic lyophilized bacteria, I'll take the kefir first. But there's a good deal of data that's evolving. We're learning more. There are probiotics where, at least in some studies, we're seeing some benefit. Uh, I would caution everybody it's early and not everything works for everybody. Mm -hmm. If you want to go out and do some uh, experiments, again, my bias is start with the Start with the old ones that worked before. Remember, I told you over 100 years ago, Eli Metchnikoff discovered that these Bulgarian peasants were healthier and all they were doing was eating yogurt. That is so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it matters to what people can implement. Um, you know, I think when I'm always counseling people about introducing probiotics into their diet, I always ask, you know, are you already eating yogurt and drinking kombucha and taking those types of foods? And if they are, you know, then I don't push that you also need to have a probiotic on top of that. Some people mm -hmm. can't remember pills every day. Some people hate yogurt. So it's really an individual approach. Um, but I think collectively, just looking about how you can be more conscious about what you're ingesting and that, you know, factoring in, is there any way to reduce inflammation by kind of restoring a healthy microbiome, then um, I have that conversation. Very cool. Okay, so now I have a technical question about skin. What would you recommend for someone who suffers from acne? Like, is there a like, specific product from your line maybe, or like a lifestyle change you typically see some success with? Like, is there anything you could even recommend for acne in general? Well, the, yeah, this is this is a whole whole conversation in of itself. But um, there's a lot of things that you can do. Again, recognizing that 
acne isn't caused by one simple thing. It's not just a bacterial mm-hmm. infection. So I, I look at this holistically. I look at the fact that acne has hormonal components. It has genetic components. It has dietary contributions. It has bacterial factoring in and you know sebum production. All of these are interconnected. So trying to find out um, how a particular individual could address each of these different categories in their life to change, you know, even just cleansing routines. Some people, um, particularly young males, if I say you need to wash your face twice a day, that's just not going to happen or apply, you know, three different topical prescription creams. So I, I really have to figure out whatever change we're implementing can actually be integrated into their lifestyle. Cause that's one of the hardest things to change. You tell someone to change their diet and go ketogenic or eliminate carbs and come back in a month and see if their acne is improved. It's a really hard thing to do. So I try to see where are the areas that people are amenable um, and interested and excited about addressing and that can really be factored into their lives. In terms of our own products, um, I mean, what, what's really important and critical for every single skin disease that's underestimated um, is, is moisturizing your skin. So if you don't have a proper integrity of your skin with eczema, again, you're exposing yourself to the allergens, you can flare, or you just the dry skin predisposes you to a flare. And the same thing with acne. If you have a breakdown in your skin, you're not going to be able to restore your skin properly to health. So what's great about these oils and kind of counterintuitive to what a lot of people have acne, thinking if I have oily skin, I shouldn't be applying more oil, but it's all this host feedback. So these oils essentially mimic the function of what sebum is doing. And sebum is a natural emollient humectant for our skin. It's supposed to moisturize and maintain that lubrication. If we are supplying it, then the host doesn't have to produce as much sebum. We don't produce as much sebum. So you can actually downregulate the production of sebum. And what really causes acne is the breakdown into these inflammatory fatty acids. So I can't emphasize enough that supplying that moisturizer is really key. And what's great about these oils is that they're very similar compositionally to um, sebum and they provide a lot of those essential fatty acids that help to restore that skin integrity. That is fascinating. Okay, so my last question for you guys is if you had to pick just one product from the Symbiome line, which would have a positive impact on people's skin, which one would it be? You can each give an answer, actually. <laughs> All right, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have a, gen, a general and a specific answer. Um, we, have, we have a line covering you know, pretty much the range of things that people need. No, we don't have an SPF, and, I, and I, I want to, I'll put that aside. Um, but each one of these, there's a great deal of similarity, and they each have specific character. So, but in the entire line together, um, there's a very small number of products. No product has more than seven ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, the total line um, is, I think it's 18 in everything, and one of those is water. So I would say, you find the one that you like. Here's a bunch of new friends. You're probably gonna find a best friend. And, um, and, it's, and in doing so, you're not exposing yourself to a whole lot of different ingredients. Mm-hmm. You know, what Emma just said about the oils, there's a whole lot of people who's like, wait a second, I don't wanna put an oil on my skin. I have oily skin. And then they discover when they try an oil, their oily skin now settles down. Because, you know, they put some makeup on during the day and they use a cleanser and they wash it off. And when they wash it off, they wash off their sebum. And as Emma said, your body gets the signal, wait a second, where's all that stuff I made? 
my skin is now naked and they'll make more sebum. And you can accelerate the sebum production by continuing to wash it off. By putting the oil on there, you, you turn that signal down and then the sebum production goes down. And your natural sebum, which has all sorts of important things, gets to make its natural contribution. Now, that's the general question. My personal response, uh, the one that I, that I actually have really gravitated to is the renewal cleanser. And there's a little bit of a story behind this. I'm the one who does all the formulation here. There's a laboratory right behind that wall there where we do this. <laughs> we don't outsource any of this. Um, when I first, when uh, Vicky, who's our CEO, said, well, we need a cleanser and I want to be an LHL cleanser, it's got to be less than 10 ingredients. Uh, my first response is that's a pretty constrained problem. I don't think I can do that. And he came up with this. And when I first tried it, it was like, I don't really know if this is it. And then after several people tried it, I realized I really didn't know because it was. And so this is a cleanser that's very different. It almost has the consistency of a honey. And I apply it to dry skin and then rinse it off and it turns into this sort of milky, delicate loveliness. And then the skin afterwards is moisturized and supple and it makes a difference almost the first time that you use it. Now, you know, I think a lot of people overwash their skin and when they do, they keep stripping things off. But I think what people will find and what I have found with this is the use of this um, has had a dramatic impact, not just in the way my skin feels, and this is the most important piece I'm about to say, it has changed my behavior in a healthy way. I can tell you what to do to change your behavior in a healthy way. I can say, don't eat those brownies or don't eat that, and you're not going to listen to me because ideas don't change behavior very well, but products change behavior. So if I give you a product and it suddenly makes you feel and look good, now I'm going to change your behavior. And it has done that with me. Again, another long answer, Emma, all yours. Yeah, well, I, I have to, to love all the oils. Um, and, you know, I think before I joined Symbiome, you know, as a dermatologist, every single dermatologist uses a usually prescription retinoid in their, in their regimen because we're all focused on, you know, photoaging prevention, preventing fine lines and wrinkles, maintaining our skin, youthfulness. Um, but I could only tolerate using it probably two to three nights a week because I would still get the dryness. And even though I was using moisturizers that, you know, I had available, but the benefit of these oils is that, you know, now I can use my retinoid every single night in conjunction with the oils and I have never, ever had dryness. And again, because these oils have, are they're so rich in a lot of these essential fatty acids that are necessary to maintain that skin barrier function, but they also have other components like oleic acid, which help to enhance penetration. So I'm getting a lot more benefit and even just using being able to use a retinoid and these oils, you know, consecutively every single night, I've noticed that there's been just an improvement in my overall kind of glow of the skin, the evenness, um, and kind of even just the, the suppleness of the skin. But I like to kind of mix the oils up. They all have, again, as Larry mentioned, slightly different benefits. So I'll use, you know, one in the morning, I'll use two in the evening. The following day, I'll use kind of three in the morning and four in the evening. Um, I never kind of layer four of them on top of each other, but I just, again, every single time I'm, I'm doing a skin regimen, cleansing, followed by a moisturizer and then sunscreen in the morning, it just, I choose one oil, but I just mix and match each day. So cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you. 
Symbiome.com, S-Y-M-B-I-O-M-E.com. Uh, please come visit. If you have any questions, where, as you can tell, we enjoy doing this. Um, and um, uh, we just add one last thing, which is we're just launching a new product, which is a uh, based on a, a stem cell condition media. Mm -hmm. Everything that we're doing with these products is to restore the things that were the foundation of our health. But we have all accumulated some damage over time. And this new product, which is seven ingredients, one of them is it's 50% uh, human stem cell conditioned media, which gives your skin and, and your stem cells the signals and the exosomes and the factors it needs to repair damage and to nurture your skin. Um, so that helps fix things going from behind and actually give you the, 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 the wherewithal to uh, prevent, prevent damage going forward. And we're just introducing that. So come visit us, take a look at the products, send us any questions. And when them. is the new, like, what, do you know a date for the, for the launch yet? Um, it is within, it's eminent. I actually, okay. I should know, I should know the answer to that, but <laughs> this is where I'm, this is where I'm going to use the, I'm old and I forget stuff. It's, <laughs> it's go to the website the next, very, very the, within the next week or two, you'll see it there. That's so exciting. And Emma, um, Instagram handle, anything like that? Yeah, you can find me at Emma Taylor MD. Um, and you know, I, I should be more active on there. You know, obviously we're, we're very busy at the company and a lot of other great stuff going on, um, but I'm certainly responsive. So if people have questions, I'm there. Um, and then even through Symbiome, um, patients or patients, clients will come in and customers will come in and they'll have questions specific their own particular skin, um, they're subject to dryness or they have rosacea. And so I'm very involved in just helping to guide people um, for what products might be best for them. Amazing, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Mm -hmm.